Welcome to the Cap Tech Podcast with President Sims. I'm president of Capital Technology University. We're a small, private, nonprofit, fully accredited university in Laurel, Maryland. We're focused on building and enhancing careers for industry in demand areas in the STEM fields. We have been in business since 1927, and we focus on the STEM fields or management of the STEM fields. We have degrees at the bachelor's, master's, and doctoral level on campus and online. Today, we have the Dean of Doctoral Programs, Dr. Ian McAndrew with us. He's gonna to talk to us today about literature reviews in the doctoral process. Welcome, Dr. McAndrew. Thank you, President Sims. It's great to be here and talking about a subject which is very important for anyone doing a doctoral degree or even research. And if we think of it, you know, there's a one thing called the literature review. And I always describe it, it's the sort of when you are chairing a student and saying to a student, they have to do a literature review. Why do I have to do it? Well, you have to do it because it is critical to you succeeding. Imagine and thinking about it, you know, some of the questions is why, what's the point of a literature review? Well, just imagine you used to go to work in a company and you've been taken on and whatever role it is, it could be, let's say, as a junior electrical engineer. They don't expect you to know everything. But when you're in a meeting with other electrical engineers, they'll expect you to know all the keywords, the acronyms and the general things that they're talking about. If you were to butt in and say, well, what is the resistance in an electrical circuit then? People would look at you as if there was something wrong. How can you be here? if you don't understand what these basic things are. And you can think about that as a starting point from your literature. It's really to make sure that you are fully aware of what are the key things in the area that you're researching. We cannot guarantee and nor can you expect as a doctoral student to be the world's expert on the literature, but you must be fully aware of what it is and what is happening. And we do this in a structured way and we get you to think about things, but you should also be thinking about literature, what it is, where it is, and other things like this. And the point that you need to begin with is what I call the start point. Where do you get literature from? Well, it isn't that difficult because you know the general area that you're looking. If you are in a conventional library and you were doing research in mechanical engineering, you go to the engineering section, then you'd start looking in the mechanical part of it for the literature in that way. We don't expect you to have to walk up and down libraries now for hour after hour. We can do a lot of this electronically, online and different things. But the problem with that is people are in danger of assuming that a Google search or any engine search will give you the information that you need. That is not true. The first part is to get the information and the second part then is to understand it. And the third part, is it relevant to your work? And then finally, can you use that information to support you moving forward with your research? It's not uncommon for people to print a load of documents and then they'll download those and maybe have 50, 100, 150 documents that they'll bring along proudly to their chair's meeting and saying, I've done my literature review. No. You have just started to get literature to do the literature review. And if we take it on a very simple level, you know, you can over-reference and we need to make sure that we start at a buoyancy level that is more than a dilettante. 
It needs to be at a level to show that you're informed in the area. If you were to write the capital of France is Paris, you would not need to reference that. But as you go to more specific areas, you will need to add references. So where do you start then? Well, there are search engines and there are ways of doing it, for example, with Google Scholar to look who's publishing in this area. There are ways of looking what happens and there are ways of collecting information from journals and other places like that. If you find a very useful answer uh, and you're looking at it and in this journal, you think that's given me a great answer. Well, it's given me information I didn't know that I could be useful for what I'm trying to solve. Look at who that person has referenced and start looking to see where they're referencing, where they're getting their references from and who is the sort of area or who is the lead author in these areas. And then look at what those people then are referencing in their papers. And you get a little bit of a snowballing effect. It doesn't take too long before you're in danger of getting far more information that you need. You need to develop the skills, you need to be developing skills because you don't always read a complete paper you need to be looking at the title and maybe the abstract and then going to the conclusions. And from there, you can say, well, is that suggesting it's worth reading the rest of the information? Don't be frightened to start reading something and think this is wasting my time and leave it alone and move on to something else. Now, if we start thinking then, how do you know when you have finished? Well, you've never finished. You could and you should be checking literature right up to the very last week of completing your doctoral degree. It shouldn't be at a risk then to make sure that someone's come up with the answer that you were looking at. But at the start, when you're planning your research, you need to know that this problem hasn't been solved before, that everyone else in the world knows what the answer is, but you don't. And remember, your research is about producing an original contribution to knowledge. It may be that someone's applied a technique to solve a particular problem in an associated area that you're looking at, but they may have not looked at the implications in the particular area that you're researching. And we can go through this and we can think about these parts of literature. When you're writing it up and you're reading your draft of your literature chapter, ask yourself, you know, if I haven't got a reference to substantiate that statement, is what I've written really just my opinion based on my experience rather than fact? And if it is more opinionated, you need a reference to support fact. There's nothing wrong with having opinions, but they will be addressed in various parts of your research and dissertation at later stages. Don't think you've ever finished a religious review. Just believe that you've done more and more of it and you're building up your confidence to know that this hasn't been solved. Other people haven't completed this work and your work is just following great work in the past. And that's a confidence that you need to be building up. And you may find that because of literature, <clears throat> you go back and you modify or adjust your hypotheses or research questions to be more specific or to be more focused because of what you're looking at. Now, this comes to the heavy lifting now. What literature can we use and how do we use it? Well, I'd like to go back and, and remember a, a situation in my life, I remember, which was on the 1st of September, 1997. I was away on holiday and I was out with my young children and we were playing football. And I heard that Princess Diana 
had died, or in fact, I heard she'd been killed. And of course, absolutely amazed, you know, what happened? The paparazzi were chasing her and her car crashed and she died. This is what we believed at the beginning of the day. And the paparazzi were seen as bad people and her brother came out and he was in South Africa and made a very profound speech saying, I, I knew the paparazzi would kill my sister one day, but not literally. Well, as time transpired, we found out, well, actually the paparazzi were following her, but they couldn't keep up. The Mercedes was speeding. They didn't have their seat belts on. It now appears that the driver had been drinking alcohol. It looked like there was a car in that tunnel in Paris, but they swerved and he lost control. And as we've gone on in time, we've learned more and more information. And we now have a very different view of what happened as we did on the very first morning. Well, think of literature like that. You know, you can go on the internet and someone instantly says, I have discovered this. But have they discovered it? And it takes seconds to get anything out there on the internet now, but no one's checking it. We get trade magazines, we get journals, and we get journals which are business journals rather than academic journals. And you'll see, you know, the manufacturing company has this new all singing, all dancing grinding machine to solve every problem that you could have in your manufacturing environment. Well, it's a sales pitch. It's not fact. It's not education. And likewise, you know, we have things like Wiki and Wikipedia. They may suggest a useful information, but it's not guaranteed trustworthy that you can depend on. It doesn't mean that you can't use sources of information from non-academic areas. Government documents, government reports from the United States governments that we can take are giving fact and information, but it's only one part of the evidence. If we're looking at the core evidence for literature on an academic side, if I'm doing some research today, possibly summer, probably fall of this year, I might have got enough data and put it into a conference paper, submitted it to a conference. It's been reviewed at a different level than a journal and then accepted for a conference presentation. So a conference presentation is generally six to nine months old in most cases of theory and information. But it doesn't go through the same checks as you would in other academic ways. And the check is you stand up and you present to your peers and they may disagree, they may agree, they may even highlight major failings in your research. So a conference paper from an international conference proceedings is a very good safe pair of information, but it's not a guarantee that all accept that information. Now, what would happen after a conference, I would probably add some more research and data and then write it to be submitted into an international journal. Now, it takes some start to probably 18 months to two years to get something in a journal, a good international journal. They are double blind peer reviewed. And if you look in journals, you'll see accepted date or, you know, and then they often have the date that it was received. And sometimes it can be three, six months between as they go through this quality process to make sure your work is accepted and no one disagrees or there's failings in it. Which means reference in a journal is given a good academic piece of support for you. However, 
it's likely to be two years old. And if you're writing journal articles or you're looking at them, you have to be very careful. Journals often, some journals insist unofficially that you have at least 20% of your references from their journal to make sure that their index of reference articles has increased. So be careful when you're looking at these journals, although they're very thorough, they're good pieces of work. They're two years old technology generally. Now, if you take that forward and people say, this is very good work, I want you to write a book. It's probably about five years time that it becomes a book. If you just reference books in your dissertation, what you're doing is showing that you have five year old information. Now, if you get a book and it's in its ninth edition, that tells you that the big audience like that book and want it updated to reflect current views. And in all areas, there are seminal pieces of work and there's nothing wrong with promoting and referencing a book which is seminal, which could be 30, 40 years old because it can be the foundation of that subject. But if you think of it, and if you're looking at other people's dissertations for style and guide, look at the list and look at the references. You know, are there some from books which says that this is very solid fact that no one really disagrees with, but it's not necessarily leading edge work. Journals are your best safety net in terms of reflecting that. Conferences show you that you're near the front of it. If you have some other information which is in, isn't from any of those three, it's not a problem. But primarily, those three should be the core areas that you're looking at, because that dictates to show that you know what you're talking about. You know who the expert, experts are in your area. You know if there's disagreement, challenges, and what has changed. And more importantly, you know the information that you cannot find that you believe is not known. Just because you can't find it doesn't mean to say it's not known. It could be commercially sensitive material, which no one releases. It could be government security military information, which no one would release. But that should be addressed and can be at another stage by planning your research. But for here, we're looking at readily available information. And if we summarize what we mean by the sources of literature, we expect to see a range of them, primarily conferences and journals with some books, because that shows that you are read on over the whole area of public publishing and the history of publishing. And you're looking at that. Now, there's always perceived experts in certain areas. If you haven't found those and referenced them, that's rather strange. Your chair will be saying, have you read this article? Why haven't you looked at this person's pieces of information? But you get to that situation where you'll probably have more references than you may need. Now, as a personal suggestion, keep a very thorough list. And if you're working to say APA standard, write all of that information down in a document in an APA format already, because that will save you time in the future. So just think about, you know, a complete literature review. Look at people's work. Look at what they're doing. Now, most universities, and certainly at Capital, we don't like seeing references that are over five years old. It doesn't mean you can't use them. It means that they should be very few and far between. You should be looking at references where the primary date of publication is recent. Closer to the year of your defence than it is five years ago. But a range is always good there because you can see what's happening. And you need to be aware of that. And if you're doing a PhD or a DSC and you're doing it part time 
and it's taking six years, as it can do in many cases, you could find out that some of your literature has fallen off that radar and needs to be replaced as you go through. It's a big stage. It's something that never stops. You cannot say, I have completed my literature review. You may say, I have drafted my literature review. I've got it in a format ready to go to the next stage of the methodology. But you will need to come back and address that time and time again. You'll need to be spending time every semester looking to address the issues and checking to see what's published. <clears throat> Find out if anything has changed and keep looking to see where the voids are and do they match your research area and everything else. Remember, when you sit down in your defense, you need to be confident that you are aware of the information, the theory, the challenges, the conflicts, the disagreements, and the important aspects of the area that you are researching and that you have researched and you're presenting to defend on that dissertation. And to do that takes a lot of reading. And in my estimate, for the vast majority, it's possibly about a third of all of your hours throughout your dissertation research will be reviewing literature. Now, when you have completed your doctorate degree, and if you carry on to do research, you've already got to that plateau, and it takes less time to keep up to date. And again, this is one of the reasons why at universities, and particularly at Capital, we make sure we match your committee and chair with experts in this area, because they can help you and support you and tell you when you're going down a road which is going to release no information for you. And don't be surprised if you find useful information that you don't reference. It's better to have too much rather than not enough. It does take managing, it does take planning. But when you sit down and someone says, well, you know, why do you think that your theories are right? And if you're building on known and accepted theories by the giants in that area, they're accepted to be knowledgeable and you're taking it forward, you're starting in a good place. So don't see it as a challenge that can be annoying. Don't see it as a task that you just have to get out of the way. See it as a great foundation for all of your research, supporting you in all the stages until you get into your defense. So the night before your defense, there's nothing wrong with doing a very small search to see if any other people have published anything. Because those that examine you will be looking to double check to see if there's any new and exciting information that has come out. And if one of the people examining you asks you, are you aware of this particular expert's new journal article where they've looked at that? And your response is, yes, I read it with interest a couple of weeks ago. That shows that you're on top of the subject. It shows that you can join into the conversation. You know what you're talking about. And it gives us great confidence in what you're doing, that you are an expert and you understand that detail. Because as you should be, Everyone before you that's completed their doctoral degree will have gone through this process. And everyone that has completed to see how warranted and useful it was. We want to make you one of those and join in and think about it. Well, thank you, President Sims, for that opportunity to talk about that. If you have any other questions, but of course, if anyone out there has questions for myself, if you go onto the Capital Technology website and you look in the doctoral area, You'll see my name, which is Dr. Ian Robert McAndrew. My contact details are there. Please feel free to reach out to me. And if you want to discuss an idea of research or perhaps doing a doctoral degree with us, or to have an erudite conversation about literature review and how it can be used and the difficulties and challenges, 
I would certainly like to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. McAndrew. I know that uh, students find it easy to contact you and that you're happy to talk with them via email or Zoom or telephone, whatever works out. Um, for those who not have heard before, I know you have vast experience in sharing uh, dissertations. And uh, could you give a, a little bit of an overview of about how many students you have completed through the dissertation process today? Absolutely, President Sims. I started researching and chairing PhD students 30 years ago now. And since that time, I've had the opportunity to chair to completion 137 successful students that all completed. But not only that, I am the uh, editor in chief or an assistant editor on many journals. And that often gives me the advantage of being invited to be an external examiner on other PhDs. And I have examined doctoral PhDs all over the world from Australia, across Hong Kong, the Middle East, Africa, Europe, and of course, America. And I've seen the standard, I've seen students and I've seen the work. And it is delightful to know that there is an international standard for doctoral degrees. And by having that experience, that's what we bring at Capital to our world footprint of making sure that our students are prepared for their defense and we publish their research because we know it is on par with the great and the good on the global stage. And that is an important thing. It's important that you have a committee and a chair and a university that are aware of this. We don't let anyone chair in our university. We make sure that they are experts in areas. And that support to the student and that confidence in our quality process enables us to produce good quality students that are ready to be defended. And then when they go into the world with their doctoral degree, they can sit there and they can proudly show off capital skills and the skills that they have. Well, at Capital Tech, um, we have many, many students in the doctoral programs. What would you say would be the average length for, for most students to start and then complete a PhD? Well, at Capital, I would say the average time is about three years. And we do that because we do it with confidence that we have unique procedures and quality procedures and our dissertations. And for example, at the start of your research, you'll develop an academic research plan. All academic research plans are approved by the Dean or my designatee, that's myself. But to ensure a quality standard on a global footprint, we have an independent person outside of the university who then generally has nothing else to do with the university but an advisor in this case. And they independently look at research students' plans to make sure that there's not too much, not too little work, and if completed professionally, is worthy of a doctoral degree. That gives the student a head start and the committee, knowing that everyone agrees that this is a valuable piece of research worthy of a doctoral degree. I've heard horror stories in my time around the world and hearing people that they do their first three chapters and then someone comes along and says, this isn't good enough for a doctoral degree, go and start again. Or when the chair changes, that doesn't happen at Capital because the chair is conducting the student's research, which has been approved. And at the very end, we also have external people that come along and their input to make sure the standard has been met is important. There are cases, and I can think of situations where I have seen myself, 
where there are inexperienced people chairing students and they're not sure because they're not that experienced if this student has done enough work and they get them to do far more than is necessary just to be double sure that it will meet the standard. Now that means to a student an extra year or maybe two years of studying if part-time unnecessarily. It is critical to get the actual research plan thoroughly to start with. And then managing it and managing the committee and the student and the progress stages each semester enables students to know if they're on target, if they're on track to finish. And that's how we maintain a very successful completion rate and a completion rate at a feasible time to do this. We demand students start with a master's degree. If not, they have to do a bridging course before we allow them to start. So we start from a very high point. And I would say that about 40 to 50% of our students come to us and start having two master's degrees. Clearly capable, intelligent people, nurturing them, molding them, mentoring them, and directing them, and giving them all the support of the university on a quality system is how we manage to make sure that students finish in a sensible time and a quality piece of work. Thank you, Dr. McAndrew. And that's why Capital Tech is here. It wants you to be successful in your career and advance in your career. And we want you to use your topical areas, if you can, from your current work environment to advance with that topic and, and utilize it in your dissertation and make it easier for you to progress with the support of your chair. So Capital Tech really has taken into account how to help our students be successful and, and graduate in a timely fashion while working full time at the master's and doctoral level. So thanks for listening to the podcast. And thank you, Dr. McAndrew, for your time today on literature reviews. If you want to contact us here at Capital Tech, you can visit our website at www.captechu.edu or come by campus in Laurel, Maryland.